So where on the day drinking curve are you right now? Um, I need a nap. <laughs> yeah. That, every day drinking curve ends with an I need, need a nap moment. <laughs> yeah. You know, some Sundays, what can I say? Well, there are only three ways to deal with the I need a nap moment in the day drinking curve. Uh, way one is to, is to day drink more. Uh, way two is to take a nap and way three is to record a podcast. I mean, two of those three are going pretty well right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Little known third option. Exactly. That's good. All right. Let's get right to it. So, uh, one hour and 11 minutes is going to, I suggest as our self-imposed, uh, target time for every episode. How do you feel about that? What's the why eleven minutes? I kind of like one one one. Kind of like numbers. Oh my goodness! Oh, you know, shut it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, those are numbers. <laughs> okay, okay, what's you, what, I'm accepting counter proposals. I think definitely less than sixty minutes would be a good. So you know, there's six zero. There's <laughs> five five. Uh, well, you know, we have uh, 55 in honor of um, DigitalOcean. See? They got all Look the fives. That. All right. I say we, we target either, exactly, either 55 or 111. But 55 seems like a good one. There you go. See? All right. Uh, how was your week, sir? Uh, good. Good. That's all I got. Uh, <laughs> how many hours did you program this week? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, more than usual, I would say I use rescue time. Oh, you still uh, do that? How's that go? I still do. Um, it's only good when you look back, you know? Um, and I have it, uh, I have it tell me, uh, during the day when I do like an hour of distracting things and I have it, uh, sort of coach me through, um, four and a half hours of like very productive time. So like it'll tell me like when I'm halfway through four and a half hours of very productive time. Um, cause I don't know it, the, for the thing with rescue time is it's, you know, all about how you categorize your activities, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I did better. I'll find out tomorrow morning when rescue time tells me how, you know, worthy of a human I am. Right. But <laughs> now some days is it like really Kyle? <laughs> you know, really? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Th- those days are the days where it's like, Hey, you hit your distracting hour and it's nine thirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like th- thanks for your waste of a self today. <laughs> yeah. I've never used that. I, I do plenty of other things to sort of hack my productivity or attempt to, but that has not been one of them. Maybe I, maybe I should, or maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, my, my kind of thing is that I, um, I have, or uh, up till recently, have had very poor work-life boundaries, you know? And so I, you know, if I'm not feeling it in the morning, I might just, you know, like phone it in in the morning and then work harder in the evening or the afternoon or work on the weekend or whatever. And so rescue time was cool for me because without any sort of like self-imposed limitations of, okay, I'm only going to work until X time or I'm going to work between these hours or whatever. Uh, you know, it was kind of nice to make sure that overall I was hitting my, you know, goals for the week. 
So do you, but, do you have a, a kind of loose rule or, or not loose rule of I work during work hours and I don't work during not work hours? Is that a thing? Uh, yeah, it kind of just like happens or happened, yeah. you know, like I, we have to bring the kid to daycare. We have to pick up the kid from daycare. We have to bathe the kid and feed the kid, right. put the kid to sleep. It kind of just like happens that way now. Um, so other, other people have was, a schedule, so you're kind of, you're kind of in it either way. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, me too, to some degree, although I've, uh, sort of always felt that it's best to work when you're up to it. The extent to which you can make that work in the rest of your life. Now, if you can't work, make that work in the rest of your life, then you know you got to get yourself up for work when it's scheduled. But right, um, I, th- I think the unfortunate consequence of that is that you end up working. Like, let's say you're working forty hours a week. If you're scheduling those forty hours into you know eight to five or eight to four or whatever it is, like some portion of the eight to four window is not going to be optimal for work for me each each week. And, you know, the extent to which you can sort of flex that into other hours is uh, is a bit of a bummer in two ways. One, because the work isn't done as effectively. And two, you know, that time that I am not effective work-wise, I would be super effective going for a run or doing something else. You know what I mean? So I totally it always bugs me if I'm forced into that schedule too much because then I am sort of losing out on both ends. I'm, like, not getting the not work time that I want and my work time, you know, sucks more than it should. Yeah, I mean, and it's also, yeah, I don't know. There's also the, the, the you know, adage of just, like, you know, just showing up and getting to work is a big thing, or, mm-hmm. you know, sign of professionalism is, you know, sitting down and working at any given moment, you know, like, whenever you need to do your work, you just are able to do your work or whatever, but, I'm, uh, you I'm know, in that humans camp. are messy folks. I, I'm definitely in the camp that, that it's a it's a productivity sort of life smell if I can't just sit down and work. At some point, and here's what I mean by that. Like, I don't mean that I could sit down and do any type of work at any moment because that's definitely not true. Because I'm too tired to do some types of work at some points in my day, but I'm not too tired to do any type of work at all points in the day. And if I can't sort of sit down and look at a list and say like, okay, what am I up for, and then have the things to work on, then that means I'm just like not managing the queue all that well. You know what I mean? Because like mm-hmm. like creating the queue is a pretty high degree of difficulty task, so you kind of have to do that when you're up for the difficult tasks, or else when you get to the place where you don't have that much energy, you'll end up not knowing what to do and not have the energy to create the list. At least that's my that's my life hacky experience. All right, so let's do let's do some rapid fire follow up brought to us by Braintree. <laughs> we're going to start sponsoring segments. <laughs> this is the, this is your player of the game brought to you by Braintree. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so we got lots of feedback from last episode. I don't think we have an obligation to go through it all, but let's do some highlights. Uh, I'll start. So, Jamie, your wife listens, which I totally didn't know until this week, which... Oh, yeah, because one day she uh, basically forced me to listen to it with her. <laughs> <laughs> why I, God, she likes seeing me squirm i guess <laughs> she was like i'm gonna start listening to this and she just like i'm like oh okay that's cool awesome you know and then she like puts her phone on speaker oh good and and starts listening to it and the sound of my own voice is basically my kryptonite <laughs> so, <laughs> now did she do this before or after forcing you to like look at prom pictures 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And then she brought out that guy with the book, and, th- and that's like, Kyle Daigle, this is your life. <laughs> right. So anyway, so she uh, she listens, which I find very entertaining. And she has three suggestions. One, she wanted us to time limit uh, the episode because she thought last week's was too long. Which, you know, you can't please everyone on this one. Some people like the long episode, some people don't, but what the hell. She wants fewer silent pauses from you, which I don't really didn't realize you had lots of silent pauses, but according to her, you do. And thirdly, she wants more talk about her and Teresa, my wife. More quote, more talk about your amazing wives party favor emoji. This is via Twitter. So uh, the end of the at the end of the show, we'll do a uh, you know one very nice comment about each of our wives brought to us by one of our sponsors. <laughs> not sure who gets the who, yeah, who gets, who exactly. gets that distinction. <laughs> so anyway, so that was kind of fun follow up. Uh, feel free to alternate as I look through the list. If you have anything uh, from last week that you found interesting, uh, yeah, a bunch of people, a bunch of people replied that that either are part of code schools or are thinking about. Uh, joining one or are new to programming or relatively new or maybe you know exiting the junior phase of their development career whatever that means into something something beyond that it suggests to me that there is a lot of good uh a lot of good to be had by talking more about career centric things it's not exactly my favorite topic honestly but um i think we can make it fun so uh, as a follow up to last week i think we'll probably put some of those meaty career topics on the list. Anything from you from last week? No, you know, to be honest, I've read so much feedback and I responded to so very little. Um, <laughs> not, not because I don't care about the feedback, but it was just a very interesting in comparison to, you know, some of our more like Railsy or Rubiery shows, you know, last week was interesting because it, w- it wasn't that, you know, right. and, there's a lot of good feedback, a lot of just sort of like, you know, I, I listened to that, yeah. you know, style feedback. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, it was uh, interesting to record, and I'm, I'm glad we did. And it was, uh, it's been cool just to kind of hear people just be honest about what they thought, you know, in, in about these messy human problems and not these, you know, like esoteric or you know nerd snipey ruby problems that we have well a guy uh, joe grossberg who i think follows one or both of us on twitter said he liked the discussion of quote interesting but contentious subjects without turning into an echo chamber or a shouting match and i like that feedback because i think to your point that's really the goal right is to have like entertaining sort of funny sort of interesting conversations how dare you sir about topics exactly about topics that are maybe touchy uh without being jerks so you know thanks joe for that feedback and thanks to everyone else that that sent in feedback uh it was really nice uh braintree thanks you for your feedback (laughs) yeah i almost forgot this section was brought to us by braintree all right let's get to that you know braintree has never sponsored the show uh until this week. So you want to hear about them? I would love to hear about okay. them, Sean. Well, this episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Braintree. Code for easy online payments. Uh, if you're building a mobile app and searching for a simple payment solution, check out Braintree. 
the Braintree, this is a brutal name. So the Braintree V.0 SDK uh, makes it easy to offer multiple mobile payment types. Start accepting PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo cards, and more, all with a single integration. And of course, you can you can take credit cards if that wasn't obvious from that line. Uh, so Braintree gives you an easy way to accept multiple payment types with one integration. Uh, they support all the things that I just mentioned. Uh, you can learn more, and this is a great deal. Uh, your first $50,000 in transactions are fee-free. So great if you've got something uh, small that you're working on, and uh, even if it's a bigger deal. Like, for example, do you know on Braintree's, uh, Braintree's site that I'll link to from the show notes, um, GitHub is mentioned as a customer, right? Sure smack, is. smack dab right in the middle of the page. Boom. Bang. Boom. So whether you're the next GitHub or it's a small project, uh, Braintree is a good option. Check them out at braintreepayments.com slash Rails Podcast. Thanks to Braintree for uh, the first time they've ever sponsored the show. That was your player of the game, <laughs> sponsored by Braintree. <laughs> well done. Well done. Yeah, we'll have to. There'll be have to be like a uh, uh, Hartford Yard Goats Brain Tree uh, seventh inning stretch brought to us by Dunkin' Donuts. Oh yes, ne- yes. next at year. the Dunkin' Donuts Arena, <laughs> right? Okay, so uh, let's get to our meaty topic of the week. We we put a bunch of candidates here in Slack. Let's take three minutes and figure out which one we want to do. Now you kind of chose last week's topic, so I'm gonna I'm gonna. Uh, Look where that got us. <laughs> I, it, it got us. It got us to a pretty good place. So I'm going to say. Well, now Braintree sponsors us. So I mean, hey, exactly. What what will happen next week? You're welcome, world. Uh, so why don't you? You've got the list in front of it. Uh, you two. Which one yep. do you think sounds most interesting to go at this week? Um, We've got how many do we have? We've got like ten, I think, in the queue. We haven't done yet that one of us thought was interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like now I'm picking the topic again. <laughs> That's the idea. You did, it's it's kind of like pick up basketball. Damn it! You know this is why I don't play sports, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I mean by that is that if you make the shot, you get the ball back. Winners out. Sport, sports metaphor brought to you by Braintree. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. How to be an effective remote teammate, uh, personal brand, which is interesting and grating to me this week. Uh, oh, really? Eh, not gr- eh, yeah, I don't know. I, I put a question out on Twitter earlier today about that. Okay. So I like both of those, how to be an effective remote teammate or your personal brand. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're really like graded by it, then I think it, that sounds like the right the right topic. Okay, your personal brand. Now, I, I felt even compelled to put brand in quotes in our little uh, notes here, even though I don't really mean it. Like, I think your personal brand actually matters. So let's start there. So, how would you even define personal brand if you had to? Um. So I would basically define it as if you're, uh, you know, you have a set of skills and then how you want people to think of you 
um, in in what your what your ability is. Your you know, oh yeah, Kyle's a Rails developer that does X really well, or oh yeah, Kyle, you know, he has this one particular skill that sets him out to be unique, or you know, oh yeah, he's always answering questions for new people. That, that guy, Kyle, he's pretty great. Like I feel like personal brand is basically you know. How do you let people know the sort of uh, subjective portions of your career or career path? Um, maybe not let them know, but how do you, you know, craft that image as, like, gross as that sounds? Um, it seems to me to apply not just to the subjective bits, but to the... Well, and perhaps it's a meaningless distinction to talk about subjective versus objective bits. But, you know, I would think that like, I mean, pick the most objective thing you can imagine about yourself or me. And, you know, I'd still think that that sort of identifying as that or not is, is probably part of one's personal brand, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because what's, what's clear to us or someone that works with us directly may not be clear to the rest of the world. Um, okay. So how important do you think uh, personal brand is? Um. It, it, it kind of depends, like, how you frame it, I think. I think that it is an easy way to set yourself apart when getting a job. Um, and I think it's a easy way to, uh, you know, sort of have a story about yourself when you're looking to make a career move within the same company or to a new company or whatever. Um, I don't think that it's something that is going to... Like, you know, th- these five steps and, you know, it'll change your life sort of thing or whatever. But uh, I do think that it's 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 something that it, it can be an easy win for for your overall career. Yeah. Well, I, I think that one has a personal brand whether or not they like it. Right. So, so oh, yeah. I, th- this isn't you don't get to opt in to whether or not you'll have a personal brand. Like, so, which I think can be a bit of a, I think that some people may believe that sometimes, right? Like, oh, you know, personal branding is douchey and, and, you know, I am, you know, I'm focused on meritocracy and what I actually produce and it's not my job to frame who I am. But, you know, even frankly, having that sort of posture is, is your personal brand. Is your brand. Yeah. So I kind of, I don't think the question like whether or not it's something that you should care about is so much the valid question as, as like, how should you care about it and what should you do about it? Given that it's, it's not optional, right? I mean, you're going to have it and it's going to to matter in, in a lot of parts of your career, I think. And I think that that's true in, in general, but I think it's a little bit different in programming that it may be in some other professions because programming is so remote centric. I mean, and even if it's not physically remote, it's virtual. You know, like like most of the work is not done in in you know live person to person interaction. Yeah, and I mean, as a completely remote employee, it's so much easier to do this <laughs> than it would be if I had to go to an office. Yeah, I, I feel like it's easier for me to sort of craft what I want the, you know, takeaway to be when you, you know, work with me or meet or, you know, internet know me or, uh, you know, see me at a conference or something. It's a lot easier when it's, you know, in my opinion, because I'm remote. If I had to go to an office every day and work and, 
oh wow kyle has a really crappy taste in ties like or whatever <laughs> you know that it would be um as silly as it sounds i think it would be slightly more difficult to do well i think when you're dealing with people remotely their brand becomes way more concentrated because it's not diluted with like the chit chat of the day to day. It's like the difference between watching a movie, which has been like reduced down to its essence and, you know, I don't know, sitting at a park and watching the park for an hour, right? Like, I mean, the park for an hour, most of it's going to be nothing happening except for those like six minutes of interestingness in the movie. Like the whole hour, give or take is going to be interesting. So I think like working remotes kind of like that. Right, like every time you're interacting, you're doing so with significantly more purpose than you do, like than the purpose that you use to walk to the bathroom or take a drink from the water fountain at the office, um, which I think cuts both ways. You know, for for sure, cuts both ways. You know, in, in other words, like uh, the ex- the extent to which you uh, have a bad week or do things that are are less than what you would like to do probably matters more remotely to some degree because it doesn't get washed away, you know, with a bunch of other sort of meaningless details. I think, I think that's true. Um, so let's get, uh, let's give some advice, the extent to which we can and, uh, whether or not, well, first let's grade ourselves. So you think you're good at managing your personal brand? Like, do you work at it hard? Not hard. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say I work at it hard. Work at it at all. I, I think I work at it pretty well. Uh, one to ten. How good are you, you think, at it? Um, probably like six or a seven. I think you do pretty well at it. Thanks, thanks Sean. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> this touching moment brought to you right. by... <laughs> yeah, who, who? By Linda. <laughs> by Linda.com. Learning about yourself and learning about... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sean's been wa- Sean's been watching his emotional intelligence videos on Lynda.com, <laughs> right? I, yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think that I think that I don't. Uh, I mean, I think there's not to not to not hear your uh, feeling about your brand, <laughs> but like I think that there's kind of like uh, the continuum of how to do this, you know. And one side is like I'm not going to purposefully try to do anything, even though that sends its own message to I'm the person that's going to like write a blog post every day, you know, about this thing that I learned or whatever. And I'm going to promote my brand and buy some Twitter ads and whatever, you know, about myself, um, being on the other continuum, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, generally do things to try to, uh, you know, uh, to draw attention to myself or, you know, be like, look how good I am at rails or Ruby. You know, I think, that's also kind of part of my brand, right? Like I'm not sort of jamming myself into the, you know, uh, technosphere either, but it's, 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 uh, it's interesting to see the difference between the people who do, um, you know, make themselves the product. If you ever kind of want to go into consulting, that's like a whole nother, you know, ball of wax, but having a personal brand in place before you do that can mean the difference, uh, for money, lots of money. If you, you know, are, are very clearly branded as to, you know, what you do, why you do it, that sort of thing. Well, the interesting bit sort of hearing you, you go through that is, is that the, the archetypes you're mentioning are not straw men. Like every one that you mentioned is, is an archetype that's pretty prevalent in the community, Yep, which is interesting. 
Because, like, if you weren't in the community, I think you, you could imagine that what you said was sort of straw man-ish, where, like, most people aren't on those polls and most people are sort of some boring, unmanaged middle. But I don't... I don't know. I don't... I actually think that there are a whole bunch of people on the edges of, of the continuum. Um, you know, in other words, like, the, the anti-personal brand folks or, like, the, the Twitter cards personal brand folks. and uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I think my, my approach to... And what I'd recommend... I think to others is to, and this is wicked trite. I know that to begin with, but is the extent to which you can sort of be yourself online, whatever that means. Uh, I think there's a good place to start. And I've found, uh, I, I think it took me a very long time to figure out how to do that. Like at this point, so I'm 37 getting close to 38 now. And I think maybe by 35, or maybe not even, maybe it was 36. I finally figured out how to, you know, like produce a version of myself online that was like a pretty close facsimile to what I would be to a personal friend or to at like a cocktail party. Um, but I, I didn't find that process to be super straightforward. You know, like, like how do you, like for a while I was more of a, you know, uh, observer, I think online and didn't, hadn't figured out how to plug in and, and actually, I don't know, contribute in a way that felt, um, authentic. And I think, I think sort of advice piece number one for me is that figuring out like how it is one can be authentic, uh, online in a participatory way is like key number one to your personal brand. Cause you kind of are who you are. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's easy to, to show that. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know if that's been your experience, but I, I, I found that it was not, my dog is, is came downstairs. <laughs> what is he doing? I'll edit this out in a minute, but my dog is barking at my hat. He thinks that when he sees a hat, he gets confused that there isn't a person in the hat. <laughs> so I've now put on my hat and it has calmed him down. It's ridiculous. So is this, would you say this is a big part of your personal brand or my dog? <laughs> yeah. A bigger part than I ever expected. I think that's true. Oh. Um, but anyhow, have you found that? Like, have you, did you go through a period where you tried to figure out how, how to, were you like dissatisfied with the version of yourself that projected online as compared to sort of the version of yourself that existed in other context of your life um and so i feel like i really kind of tackled this in a meaningful way when like a couple weeks or months after joining github you know Hmm. Uh, um because i think that up until that point most of what i would consider my brand was like tightly tightly tied to the industry that i was in you know and so like twitter wasn't really an effective mechanism for you know uh letting people know who i was why i do what i do like why you should hire me that sort of thing um it just wasn't effective for me most of it was uh in person over email um, at conferences like that sort of thing and so once i joined github everyone like immediately kind of had a like viewpoint of you you know like a, like or had a like a, a vision of 
who Kyle is, like, in some sort of archetype, it, it seemed like, when I met random people, you know? Um, so it made, not, like, a big imprint on your brand. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And and so most of my work, like, when I talk to people online and via, like, mass media, um, has just been, you know, being, being myself, but also really only um like digging my claws in on things that i am like extremely passionate about and then like realizing that the rest of twitter is basically um pointless <laughs> um and so if you like read through my twitter stream like i am probably relatively like blase in a way you know like there's no interesting twitter fights there's no like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said those things. Like, um, I sort of am taking the, like, amuse-bouche method of brand building, you know, on Twitter. You like that? Oh, man, that was... I just want you to know that's going to be the name of my book. That was just <laughs> sweetness. Part, yeah, just pardon the taste, the, see? Pardon the see, pun. double pun. Double pun. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like that... There's like if you're not comfortable, like I'm just not comfortable on Twitter. Like even getting some of the feedback from this this week, like it was so great, but I just like I'm like I feel like I have to word this thing, this response so carefully in 140 characters. What good is gonna come from actually responding, you know? And so like most of the time when I tweet, it's like okay, I have 140 characters to make this point. Like what good is gonna come from? you know, writing this or better, like what harm comes from not writing anything at all. And, and so most of the time the answer is don't write anything. It's useless, futile. So don't bother. And so most of the stuff that I put out in that Avenue is, um, like if you already know me or you've seen me in person or whatever, like there's a thread there that you understand where I'm coming from and you can follow along, I think. But I, I definitely don't think that like, I'm not a Twitter personality. I'm not a person that, you know, you want to meet in person because you've been following me on Twitter for all these years. And I can't believe that one time you called out, you know, McDonald's or something. And, I think you know. it's, I think it's a very interesting thing to think about when you join a company like GitHub that has so much notoriety, you know? So I think similar companies would be you know, Apple or GitHub or, or 37 signals or, or, Oh, Google to some extent, and you know, like places that, that yeah, Facebook. I think I would throw in there too. Yeah, I totally agree. Twitter, even, um, you know, these places where as soon as you're hired, then you kind of like it or not, adopt all these assumed attributes of the community about yourself, and like, if there's a great side to that, which is that most of those attributes are positive, I would say, and it's kind of like a you know personal brand in a box to some degree that you just get to decorate a little bit. Whereas most people are not employed by, you know, a venerable organization, like one of the ones I just mentioned or not employed at all or coming into the industry or whatever. And, you know, they don't, they don't get to kind of put on the armor of that organization and just decorate it with a little bit of flair. They have to build something up, you know, from, from, uh, sort of, pieces that they assemble a little bit more for better and worse on the better side, you know, maybe it allows you to be a little bit more unique, but on the worst side, trying to be unique is like a minefield. I think as you just articulated, yep. you know, every, every single thing that you say that's unique, you're taking a risk on. Um, so it's, in, it's an interesting tension, I think. 
to yeah, me. Yeah, it's the only stuff that I like really put out there that is of any sort of interesting uh, or like you know stance is just like highly technical things you know or like or like things that you would normally start in a conversation like hey you know hey hey everyone like isn't this thing like really crummy or like haven't you used this and this is really awesome or like whatever that is um most of my most interesting things are in those two categories um what was the experience like of of going from really not being known much to having the assumptions and you know and to call it notoriety that comes with being publicly connected to GitHub. Like the day where, I don't know, do they still put out those like, Kyle Daigle has joined GitHub messages today? I don't, you know, I don't. I don't think know. they do. I don't think they do. I remember when I saw yours. Like that that's how big of <laughs> I do. And so to be clear, we didn't know each other. No, then. we didn't know each other at so all. So now I'm really curious to hear what, what that meant to you. <laughs> yeah, well, I, we didn't know each other at all. And uh, I probably, I don't know if I followed GitHub or followed someone that retweeted it, but, you know, I followed something that would uh, tweet out every one of those, you know, this person has joined GitHub. And uh, so I definitely, I mean, it's interesting. You go from like, I don't think that I knew of you before that moment to then all of a sudden, you know, you're sort of in a pretty stylized way being presented to the community. What is that? What did that feel like? Was it like a, uh, like a debutante ball for, for a nerd? It's like being birthed into the world a second time, I would say. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, it's really interesting. Um, you know, I up until that point, I would say I've had I had like no internet fame. Um, the only reason you followed me was because you had some actual human interaction with me, most likely. Um, and so it was pretty neat. I mean, I you know I, I'm not gonna lie when I say that you know going to GitHub, you know, one of the obvious benefits was that, you know, at if and when that next job comes around, it's like, where did you work? Oh, I, my last job was at GitHub, right? Like, that's a huge benefit for my career, I think, you know. I mean, I guess that's debatable, but I, I thought it was at the time, and I mean, I still do now. Um, but with that, especially back then, you know, two and a half years ago, uh, was it also came with some crummy things where, you know, people thought that, um, we were still sort of frat housey and, you know, a bunch of dudes drinking beer all day and then like writing some code sometimes. And so, um, some of the interesting, you know, social interaction was sort of reminding people that, you know, no, I'm, 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 I'm me, you know, and that's not really my style. And I joined and it's not really like that. Um, uh, in in my experience and so part of it was awesome where you immediately have this like uh and it still have it today this ability to basically go to any um nouveau technical event and you know have someone ask you where do you work and say github and you like um, automatically have something to talk about whether that's like oh great you work at github well i have this one problem and i want to talk to you about it right now or you know Oh, that's great. I love GitHub or whatever. Like that's a really interesting thing that I've never had in my career. And so I've been trying to, you know, use that interesting thing and have conversations with people that aren't necessarily like, um, highly technical or highly, you know, uh, uh, deep divey on, on, on certain technical issues and just sort of talk to people about, 
you know, whatever is of interest to them. And so a big part of that first year, I think I remember a coworker um, kind of calling me out, and I guess in a good way, basically, of like on my third week, I was like, uh, I want to use the opportunity of being a GitHub to talk to conferences and when GitHub, GitHubers get invites, you know, to go places. And I started to go out and talk um, sometimes about how GitHub works, but other times just about, you know, sort of like uh, how you can work, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, it's part of the compensation, really. Yeah, sure. Like, that's one of the things that, that you figure anyone that takes the, a job at GitHub is taking it in part because they're doing the calculus of what having that as part of their current and future resume does to them opportunity-wise. So if you don't take advantage of it, it's sort of like, a, a, it's uh, you kind of have to almost. I mean, yeah. you have to almost if being at GitHub is the right thing for you, at least, I would think. So, yeah. So I rem- I'm looking at the. Uh, I'll, I'll put this in a link in the notes. But I remember the. Uh, I, I wish I had said it. I remember that there was some goofy sign in your announcement. But now I pulled it up while you were talking, and sort of a funny little visual. It's a GIF of you. Another guy comes out of a door and hands <laughs> you a sign, and, bef- and the sign has Kyle on the one side and Daigle on the other. And before he does it, you're looking down, kind of sad. <laughs> and then he hands you the sign, and like once bestowed with your name again, you find happiness. I don't, I don't really understand why. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is this is like inside baseball, kind of, because if if you do understand that, then you're like way too close to the system, I would say. So, like, so that's Kyle Neath, one of the early GitHub employees. Oh, I see. Um, and up until that point, I believe he was the only uh, person who went by Kyle at GitHub. And so when I got hired, I and I I've met him at conferences up until that point. And when I got hired, um, we were talking about like, well, what are you gonna do for the GIF? And one of my new colleagues was like, oh, you know what you should do? Like, you should do a joke that Ky- you're taking, you know, Kyle Neath's like name at this company, and how he'll, you know, be like, no, you're just gonna be called Daigle, which is interesting because almost everywhere I go at GitHub now, like that, I, I, I'm known by Daigle, you know, mm-hmm. like. Uh, so it's kind of funny, uh, but yeah, but that's the, that's the point of the GIF is him just sort of being like, no, you can't be called Kyle. It's but again, like it's, it's a really interesting piece of the pie here just because you might know me or know of me because of that silly little GIF, right? Well, I mean, I, Hey, that's how I know you. Not directly, but I mean, one no, thing but, led to another on that. Yeah. You know, and, and so I think that it's been it's 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 really interesting to look at your career from that perspective and to look at people who are um or talk to people who are like oblivious to this side of things you know mm-hmm. um who either think there's just no value at all in in being on twitter writing blog articles giving talks going to meetups that sort of thing um cuz you know while i don't think that that is like, if you're a crummy programmer, I don't think that doing all these things is suddenly going to make you a good programmer. But at the same time, like, if you are putting all this out into the world of, like, this is who I am, these are the things that I value, and these are the things that I, um, you know, won't tolerate, uh, It's I think it's an easy win to be able to um, have people, you know, help find you work, you know, situations that are close to that you know it's not just like well what are you looking for you know um well if you don't have a personal brand you've got to go out into the world and find every opportunity cold calling basically 
Yeah, right. And if you ha- just like if you don't have a brand on your business, then all of your sales are going to come through sales, right? Direct right. sales. And if you have a brand, then the extent to which that brand is um, good, you are going to have serendipitous uh, sort of uh, opportunities that come your way without any direct action on your part. And I think that I actually think it's quite appropriate that people call it personal brand because it's quite analogous to the business side, right? Like, do you want to have uh, occasions where interesting opportunities come out of the woodwork and find you, or do you want to go hunt down everyone? And if the answer well, is the former, then you got to care about the personal brand. And, and I think that the other side is also just, and I think this is like my one life secret to personal branding is just like, the other side is what sort of touch points are you allowing other people to have with you, you know? And so like when you meet that person, that new person, or you do have that one-time conversation or you send that tweet or you write that little blog article that's authentic and actually interesting to you and not just sort of like growth hackery bullshit. But, um, you know, how do you, how does that enable someone to like actually have a human connection with you? And so like, I desperately go out with people to have coffee, you know, like anytime anyone wants to grab coffee with me, I'm more than happy to get together and like have an hour chat at least, you know, um, little things like that, I think go a long way. When I got hired at GitHub, I had wrote a little blog article, um, uh, about Tom Preston Warner because he, uh, who was a co-founder of GitHub, um, about how he like, uh, was writing Tommel, which was his, like, I'm sick of this, you know, uh, conf- like config being in YAML or JSON. Right. This is stupid. I'm going to write my own thing. And then he, like, sat down for a couple hours and wrote it. And he's like, look, everyone, remember that thing I complained about a couple hours ago? I wrote it. I wrote it, you know? And so I, like, wrote a little blog article about how that was just really interesting because it's, like, it's rare that like you get that whole continuum in like a single 24 hour period <laughs> where someone's <laughs> like, you know, this thing's stupid, you know? And then they're like, look, I, I wrote something that is at least a, um, an interesting counterpoint, you know, like it's the, the not invented here syndrome is strong in this situation. But like the point being that, you know, look, wow, I, that was the point of my article, which is like, wow, it's really interesting to watch people who are doers in such a way that they just are like, no, I'm just going to go write this, right. you know? And so, uh, in my offer letter, because I didn't interact with him at all during the hiring process just because of timing and everything at that time with GitHub, and I get my offer letter at the bottom, it's like, oh, hey, by the way, I, like, I really liked your blog post or whatever, basically about me. <laughs> and so it was really funny because like, that definitely wasn't my goal of it. It was just at the time I was really uh, um, uh, like idolizing people, I guess, that were... Uh, like really heavy doers, you yeah. know, who could just be like, damn, that sucks. I'm going to fix it. And then you actually fix it like right then in that moment. Um, and so like that little article, like got like a ton of retweets, all this stuff, like stuff that I have no business getting uh, enough attention for to go on hacker news and stuff like that. And then the, the guy actually, you know, knew who I was. And so when I met him in person, finally, it was an interesting little conversation, you know, just about cause he, you know, he saw that silly little Tumblr. I think it was at the time. Um, that, uh, you know, I wrote that thing. And so I, I feel like there's so many situations in, with your own brand that you can just say, you know, this is really interesting or, you know, I'm, I'm noticing something that is interesting to me. It doesn't even have to be like, look, I did this thing. I'm good at things, you know? Um, 
I, I actually find the, like, I'm noticing something that's happening right now, and I don't even know that you need to comment on it. Uh, but sharing that, I think, is, you know, uh, sometimes worthwhile when you're wondering, like, how do I make myself more than just my resume, you know? Um, I think doing that can help, because if people notice that, you know, notice, oh, wow, yeah, I read that one article about X, Y, and Z or whatever. Um, well, it's quite uh, hard to predict good. what's going to be popular. Like, well, that's, yeah, I wouldn't bother trying. <laughs> I, I think that that's, I, I completely agree. And that, you know, if you did try to predict what you do is really not put out all that much. And then you'd get disappointed that when you did put out your, you know, perfectly crafted, I think this is going to be very interesting bit of content and it got nothing predictably, then you'd get frustrated and say, this isn't worth it. And it, I think at least the better strategy is just to, kind of err on the side of putting out anything that's somewhat interesting to you and seeing what sticks and not even try to guess what it's going to be, you know? Yeah. And I think that there's like, at least in this one field, I, I like, if you look at my blog, like it must have like 12 articles on it or something, you know, like it's not, it's not interesting. It's not prolific. It's not something you're going to subscribe to and be like, wow, I can't wait to come back. Cause that just wasn't working for me personally. Like I could not, sit back and just write article after article after article, you know, um, even if that was once a month, like that was just too much for me. And so whenever something comes up in my life or in my career that I think is like interesting and I want to acknowledge that I'm seeing something. And so I feel like there's one coming up soon for me. (laughs) Uh, but like, you know, putting that out there is I think good enough. And I put it out there and I tweet it and I, every once in a while, like I wrote a one article that was like, um, I think like a couple of years ago, uh, basically just about like how as a developer for me personally, I, um, you know, had a really hard time like labeling myself, you know, cause I, I, I felt like as in that, uh, that classic graph, Sean, like, I feel like you, you, I forget the name of it, but I'm sure you've seen it where it's like, you know, the more, you know, the more, you know, you don't know so yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. And so I basically wrote an article about how, like, I was really struggling with that and how, like, you know, I, as I've been, as I was at GitHub and I was able to talk in front of more people, I started to feel this like really gross, like, uh, topic for another episode <laughs> about how, like, I'm up here talking about this thing, but like, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm really a fraud because I can't write this algorithm, you know, that everyone's using right now or whatever, that sort of thing. Um, and so I wrote this article and put it out there basically just like, Hey, this is something that I'm noticing. Uh, and there's no way to fix it or anything. It's just like, here you go. And I started to get like two years later and I don't know how this is possible. I started to get emails from like college students, like, Hey Kyle, I read your article in X, Y, and Z, you know, really? and then, yeah. And then somebody wanted me to like talk at their college about this like thing. And it's all, you know, it's all just because I think that especially now, like with the way the internet is like, people are still just struggling to have like a human connection with another person. Um, and so if that human connection can also be tied to what you do to make money, i.e. your job or career, it's like a double bonus. And so, you know, I think that, you know, my, uh, my ROI on these, uh, uh, articles is like super high is super high. And, and so I, that's one of the things that I enjoy talking about with people is just like write blogs about what you see. Um, 
and and it doesn't have to end with a, and here's how I say you should fix it or I'm a professional and you should do these things. If that's a part of, if that's an okay part of your personal brand, right? If you're a more um, uh, confident or uh, I'll say aggressive, not not in in a negative connotation uh, type of person, and you're more like, look, I fixed this or I've done this, and here's how to fix this thing too. You can write those articles, right? But that's just not me. And I feel like a lot of times we idolize the other side of it, where it's like look, I did this thing and it's awesome, which is great. Um, and I wrote all this stuff about it or I published these three gems about it or whatever. That's just not who I am. And so I wanted to kind of show the other side instead of for many years at the beginning of my Rails career trying to emulate that other side of like, oh, I'm going to do all these things that, you know, DHH does or, um, you know, all these sort of uh, more prolific people in the Rails community do uh, write these articles about how, look, I used to be this way and now I wrote, I write code this way and this is the reason why you should write code this way. Um, I was struggling with doing that. And I think honestly that really paid off for me to not uh, try and be that, uh, you know, that type of person, not to fake it, not to, not to try to bring authenticity to something that I couldn't. Yeah. Well, Um, not to fake it. I mean, I think that could probably sum up sort of, piece you know sort of large block of advice about how to manage one's personal brand because everyone has to by saying just just uh be authentic and if you find that being authentic uh makes you look a way you don't like well then maybe just consider what that means because that happens sometimes right where people like well if i was authentic then people would see i'm something and you're like well okay either you have to accept that or change it one of the two uh you know, yeah, but but being authentic is really the only way. Okay, so uh, let's uh, let's quick talk about Linda because we are we are going to blow right past the fifty five minutes, and I'm going to have to do lots of editing, which is uh, frowned upon. This editing brought to you by Linda. Yeah, it's actually perfect. Yeah, this uh, uh, Sean is 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 definitely going to be up till eleven thirty tonight doing editing. Brought to us by Linda. Let me find. Let me find the advertisement for Linda. Um, All right. Lynda.com is the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, tech, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash Ruby on Rails. I've talked about Lynda a bunch before. Uh, you can look at them two ways, I think. One is as a way to increase your programming skills in a pretty cost-effective way. And they've got courses on everything from RSpec to more basic uh, uh, sort of Ruby fundamentals to localization in Ruby to more intermediate topics about Ruby and Rails. Or you can use Linda to brush up on other skills that may not be part of your core professional work, but that you need now and then, like audio editing if your podcast goes way too long. Whichever uh, you need, go to lynda.com and uh, sign up for membership. You'll get unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics for one flat rate. Again, you get a 10-day trial if you go to lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A.com slash Ruby on Rails. Um, my thanks to them for sponsoring again. All right. So I had a pretty ex- interesting uh, experience that's a bit the opposite of yours as it relates to personal branding and being a programmer. Um, and it was that, so before I was a programmer, I, you know, most of my career existed before that. And I was quite well known in that career. 
um, kind of on two dimensions. I had started a company and then sort of built a replica of that company uh, in another company that's now part of IBM. And those companies were pretty well known in what we did. And, and I had pretty good notoriety in that community for, for being one of the guys that started the company and, and, uh, sort of building out the, uh, it was optimization based strategic sourcing. So kind of very specific domain, but I was very well known in it. And, uh, so almost anywhere that I went professionally, I was, I was known and I was used to that, you know, either in a, uh, into a client situation or at a conference or a sales call or within the company or, or whatever. And then, you know, one thing leads to another and I end up at Conway as, a as one of the top executives there, which was a very intense experience where I was very, very well known. It was a 25,000 person company. And I was one of the better known people in the, you know, maybe one of the four uh, most visible people in the company. Um, so, so I kind of had this, uh, intense brand experience where almost anywhere I went for 10 years, uh, professionally, I was, I was known and, and that cut both ways. I mean, sometimes it was great because, uh, you know, it, it kicked open lots of doors and, and people, you know, uh, assumed some good things. And then to some extent it was awful, you know, like when going through the recession of 2008 and we had to cut thousands of jobs and close 40 facilities. And, you know, most of my professional life was about going around the country and talking about all that. Most of my personal brand was like that jerk from corporate that is costing us our jobs. So I went from that world, which was, you know, I kind of understood to being a programmer and not being known at all, like zero, right? Like I worked by myself for a while and then uh, as it related to programming, at least, and then with one other programmer, you know, wasn't really in the demographic of programmers that usually start up, um, you know, so didn't have a ton in common, wasn't sort of physically located where they were located, wasn't working with them. Uh, and I, I kind of had this, this moment where I said, geez, I miss, uh, for, for all the bad that came with some of the notoriety from the, the previous career, I missed a little bit, um, being, known. I, I don't know how else to say it, but I missed having a personal brand in, in, in programming like I had in other things because I found that like fewer serendipitous opportunities were just sort of walking through the door in this area than, than I was used to. So I went, I kind of went on a mission in the last year and a half, I'd say to, to fix that. Um, I hadn't really talked about it or even thought about it much before we, we decided to do this today, but it's interesting because it sort of is the opposite of, of your experience where you weren't all that well-known and you joined GitHub and now you're pretty well-known and, and, you know, got to experience all the, the good and bad that comes of it. You know, I went the other way, well, well-known and then went to programming and all of a sudden in this context wasn't known at all. And, uh, it's interesting to reflect on on what it was, you know, what each end is like. And now I'm somewhat in between, like I'm not as well known in the programming community as I was in the non-programming community from before, but you know, it's not like it was two years ago. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And I guess I, and so in that, yeah, it's interesting because I feel like in that scenario, um, when, when you're, when you're well known in a corporate structure, it's, it seems you're, you have two different avenues, right? You have the volume of people who know you, um, or know of you, right? Um, pr- probably primarily, um, beneath you in the corporate structure. And then you have 
how are you branding yourself for other executives or, you know, people at your level or higher, you know, so that way when they're looking for the next CEO or whatever, right. you know, that they're like, oh, well, Sean should be, you know, Sean's next or whatever. Um, and you're right. Those are b- both very big deal. Like both are, are large parts of the job. Right. And, and, and I think, you know, pretty different because I think that I do, I don't have, you know, my, my primary goal is really just, you know, branding me and that has an impact on like, I guess my followers, like, I guess I'm doing air quotes over here, you know, <laughs> uh, meaning, you know, the general programming populace who will never hire me. Um, you know, and then I have my brand that helps me both inside GitHub and, you know, um, you know, if, and when I leave, uh, being able to say, well, look, look, this is, these are the things that I do. This is what I value. This is, this is the type of employee I'll be, you know, that being the sort of main thing. And so I think for a lot of like the junior developers and stuff like that, that reached out to us last week with the last episode, um, you know, I think that there's a ton of value in just starting to act now. Like you have that, you know, dream job of yours, whatever that is. Um, you know, and if, if you're thinking like, oh, well, when I'm at GitHub, I'm going to talk to people about how, you know, my experience being a junior developer or whatever. Cause like, I, I, I think that that's a really interesting angle that I've only seen a couple of people, um, do very well right now. Um, but like, I feel like even just talking about what it was like to go through a boot camp or something could be a really interesting avenue to get yourself, for example, like possible job um, inquiries, you know? Oh, um, I agree. I mean, like I, the more writing a blog post that was like, I just finished insert boot camp here, and like I have enough self realization to be able to tell you that X, Y, and Z was really great. I still don't know about, you know, this, 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 or you know, how I feel prepared to go into the market or whatever. Um, and not even like, a like, not like a douchey oorah, like I'm coming for you world, you know, freeze frame jump at the end sort of thing. Uh, I think just being super honest and like aware in showing that you have awareness, self-realization and commu- and can communicate would probably go a long way, uh, to both setting up your brand and, getting you closer to that, the jobs that you do want or whatever. Um, but that's just, that's just me. That would be my approach with being on the, uh, you know, let me show you something I see, uh, side of the branding world. Yeah. The things that I'm, I'm thinking about the things that, that created the, the sort of personal brand for me and kind of, kind of thinking through what you were saying and, and what similar things that I do. So, I mean, there's been no bigger impact than hosting this show to my personal brand in the programming community. That's, that's easily true. Um, now how that ever became an opportunity, I think is, yeah, I guess it's turtles all the way down. Right. So, you know, that, that was a function of personal brand to some degree. Um, but one of the things that I did that, that, uh, that's interesting to remember is remember that game letterpress that came out for, um, Oh yeah, sure. So still my most popular ever project on GitHub by like an order of magnitude and, and something that I got just endless 
tweets about back whenever Letterpress came out. Is when it came out, I decided I had a, I was on a kick at that point about thinking that writing game engines was fun. Now, I wasn't really writing them, but I was like on the lookout for one, and decided that when a game uh, kind of got popular in the nerd community, that I would write a, a cheat engine for it, just as a you know, <laughs> just because why? You know, why not? So I wrote a letterpress solver, right? Like a a little engine that would play letterpress better than you can play it to to you know make the game not fun for humans basically and holy cow was that popular like got like a hundred stars on github in like two days that kind of popular um and uh it's interesting because back to the idea that you never know what's going to get popular i absolutely did not know that that was going to be popular and i've done things like i tweeted out this week that i maybe a couple years ago released a gem called i think it's called business time i don't even remember the name and it's a it's a gem to do, um, well, what it sounds like, uh, time calculations related to business schedules. So you can like an arbitrary work schedule, and then say like, you know, how many like seventeen work hours from now is what time, which is very important if you have you know scheduling centric shift centric math to do. So I did that. I would have sworn that that would be popular. It currently has like one star on GitHub. No one uses it, even though it's pretty good. <laughs> I write a letterpress solver and it immediately gets popular and retweeted by everyone in the world. That's awesome. And I think that's, you know, I think that's how it goes. You never know. You never know what's going to get popular. Um, and which of those two creates opportunities. I think that's actually another thing that's interesting. So like, it, uh, does, did the popularity of the letterpress app directly create any opportunities? I don't know. Probably not. Does, did the, like I made a, a little tracker to track last year, how many orders holiday, um, the cards against humanity holiday bullshit was getting, which was crazy popular also, you know, so like considering what it was, so all it did was like periodically ping their server to, to get how many orders there were and like put a chart on a, on a Google sheet. And with those projects though, like did you, did when you did, and, and I'm not trying to call you out. I'm just curious. Like when you built those, were you like, Oh man, these are going to be popular. I should totally build this. Or was it like, it'd be really funny if I like know about this. And so I'm going to write this code and you know what I'm trying to say? Like, was, cause like I, I honestly will fall into the trap of like, what's the point of writing this if no one's going to use it, you know, even though it'll solve a problem for me, I, I, I definitely have that. I'm at that point where that's a big thing for me. And so I'm curious for you, like why did, why, what was your uh, intention when you wrote it? A huge percentage of what I write and release is to entertain myself. I'd say like, and that's the purpose. There is no other purpose. Like, so I was interested in how quickly holiday bullshit was selling like for no good reason, but I was curious cause I, I bought it and, um, noticed that they had on their website, a little counter of how many orders they had been made and saw that it was going up and it felt real. So I just looked at the source and saw that it was hitting a, an endpoint that was public and, and I, you know, so I did that anyways, to answer your question. In other words, I hadn't thought about writing anything at that point. And then, uh, then I said, well, geez, that would be entertaining to sort of ping that once every minute and track how many of the 250,000 limited, you know, limit that they've set have been sold. And, um, I was doing some things in Google sheets at the time and it's, you know, it's 
trivially easy in Google Sheets to have a scheduled job that runs every minute to go ping a server and parse the JSON and stick it in a spreadsheet. And like, I don't, I think people underutilize Google Sheets. So I, I kind of thought, oh, this is a good entertaining little, hey, Google Sheets is cool thing. And, uh, you know, my friends would think it's funny and I think it's funny. And, uh, I don't know. So, so I made it. There wasn't really any goal besides that. Which, like, I don't, I don't exactly, I'm not wearing that as a badge of honor. Like, I, I think I'm... Oh, yeah, no, I, I also didn't really mean to bestow that honor on you. It's just something that I've noticed personally that I've, I'm, I'm always intrigued about, like... I do, I, I do that sort of thing, though. Yeah, sure. Like, once a month, I'll write something that's like that. Like, what's another... My, I think my second most popular blog post I've written in the last couple of years was a daily fantasy sports optimization solver. Like, so I don't, I don't, I don't play daily fantasy sports at all, but I like basketball and I like optimization, right? So like, I like two of the things involved and I see people all the time talking about daily fantasy sports. So for people that don't know, that's like fantasy sports that's played um, where it starts and ends in a given day sort of a way to legalize sports gambling that's become super, super popular. Um, and, and the idea is this. So you, uh, there are like rules, like you can have X, X of each type of player and a certain amount of salary. And then each player has a, an amount that would cost to, to have them on your team. So then you assemble the roster of players that would score the most points subject to the constraint of like your salary cap. Right, so it's like an op- it's an optimization problem, pretty directly with a forecasting problem on the point side. So you know, I saw I just heard people talking about it and said, oh, you know, I could write a little optimization engine in Google Sheets, another Google Sheets project um, that would solve this. And it's I it's fascinating. So I I put it out for no purpose. I don't play fantasy sports, so I've never actually used it uh, for for anything that I do. But uh, it's been interesting because it has it was sort of a vector into a different world. I'd say once every 10 days, I get an email from someone that's like a fantasy sports person and they'll say, Hey, I I saw you put this thing up and like, I'm spending half my life playing fantasy sports and could you help me? Or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using this thing, but I need to modify it for some purpose or whatever. (laughs) That sounds really desperate in a way. The way way you worded that was just very much like, (laughs) I think it is desperate. Usually (laughs) I need you. I need you, man. Help me out here. (laughs) No, I think it is usually desperate. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's part of why I do things like that is that when, when I do, it tends to lead to funny situations. Yeah. Like random people on the internet looking for, for, for help with their fantasy gambling addiction. (laughs) Um, you know, and getting back to the personal brand, I think like for better or worse, a lot of my, you know, programming personal brand would be around things like this, you know, some combination of guy that has radio show guy that contributes to open source sort of medium amount. And occasionally puts out sort of programming centric things for non programmers that are maybe entertaining if you're nerdy. And like, why? I don't know. I, I mean, my my take has been that that those things are the sorts of things that that uh, I think are pretty well. You know me in the offline world. Okay, so I'll ask the question: Are those the sorts of things that are? Like to me, they feel like the online 
version of how I approach the world. But maybe that's not true. Maybe, you know, maybe that maybe it feels that way to me, even though it, it doesn't to someone that's on the outside of me. No, I mean, I, 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 I think that's you. I, I think, I think I thoroughly put you in the, uh, in the doer category, you know, where it's just like, Hey, see, you know, when you see a problem, you fix it, you know, and you have like a diverse set of, you have a very particular set of skills, Sean, <laughs> you know, though, I mean, I, th- I think that, uh, I think your online persona pretty accurately matches you. For example, like every once in a while, you will send a tweet that I would never send, but you, but it is a hundred percent on point with how you would interact with me if we were sitting in the same room together. <laughs> and what does that mean? Do I, I do I, that? I send things that are are no, I, no, no, no. I don't. I don't think it was particularly edgy. I forget. I, I'd have to scroll through all your tweets and find the one <laughs> those that, t- ten thousand like, tweets. To find the one. No, no. I just there was. You said something like today that it was like. I, what made me think about this topic actually uh, was just because of the. Oh, let me see if I can pull it up. The way, uh, the way that you said it. Um, oh, like if you feel like you need many uninterrupted hours to be productive, your to do lists aren't good enough, right? Like I would never tweet that because I w- I would never like be like uh, 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 like accusatory like that, you know? Like oh well, your thing wouldn't be good enough. But I think that's like a good point. But my point. My, my, me bringing this up is just saying, like, you would have no problem just telling that to me, though. You know, like, if we were having breakfast, yeah, you know, I think that's you, you would be like, hey, like, well, if you think you need five hours to get into the groove, you're just not, you know, you're not doing this thing right. And I'd be like, oh, what, what, what? And you'd be like, no, well, let me tell you, like, this is, this is, this, 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 and that, you know? And so I feel like that matches you rather well. I think um, it's an interesting thing to think about because the, the reason that I would send, so, I'm talking to myself in 85% of tweets that I send, right? Like, like I, I only subtweet myself. I, I think that that's absolutely accurate. You know, so like, in other words, like if the, if, if there's an unstated pronoun in a tweet or you, you can swap me for, you know, myself for, for you. Um, and like, I, like every time I feel like I, in this example, I think it's a good one that I don't have enough time. I know what it is, which is, or, or that I don't have enough continuous time. I know that the problem's me, right? Like that I'm just not managing my, my work well enough. Um, but anyhow, let's do a quick, uh, let's do a quick additional sponsor. <laughs> We're behind. Uh, so being behind is, is brought to us by CodeShip again. Uh, CodeShip's a continuous delivery service focused on speed, security, and customizability. You can set up your continuous integration uh, solution on CodeShip in a matter of seconds and automatically deploy when your tests have passed. CodeShip supports your GitHub and Bitbucket projects. Um, you can get started. You're supposed to boo. Uh, you can get started with CodeShip's free plan today. Uh, I mentioned it last week. They've just launched Organizations, which is a feature that sort of feels like GitHub Organizations, but for CodeShip. Great feature if you're using CodeShip as part of a team, which most people I think would be. You can create teams, set permissions for specific team members, and improve collaboration in your continuous delivery workflow. Um, can maintain centralized control over your organization's projects and teams. 
uh, all with CodeShip's new organizations plan. If you go to CodeShip.com slash 5x5Ruby and sign up, you'll save 25 or 20, not 25, 20% off any premium plan for the next three months. Again, use the code 5x5Ruby. Uh, I've also said this before, but I've been a paying customer for uh, over a year. I, I really enjoy CodeShip. I've taken advantage of a lot of their new features over the last year and uh, consider that my personal endorsement uh, to give them a try. Thanks to CodeShip for sponsoring the show. All right. So uh, I'll tell a uh, two feel-good stories about having a personal brand from this week. Will you indulge? I mean, it's part of your brand, so... Right. Exactly. So one of my favorite things about uh, kind of the state of where my own brand is right now happens on GitHub, and it happens pretty frequently. So I mentioned I'm, you know, kind of an active open source contributor, not in, you know, not compared to a lot of people, but um, not nothing. Uh, That's true. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) So anyways, one of the things that happens now that's fun is when I am on GitHub and make a comment on a project, like it happened, it happens a lot of days. Um, if the, the person that I'm chatting with about the issue, if they don't know me, almost always says, uh, not almost always, frequently says in, in sort of parentheses at the front end of their comment, I listen to the show FYI, you know, the blah, 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 some reference about the show and then keeps talking. I like that has nothing to do with the sort of business opportunities. And, and I think that the, I think my point on this is going to be that if you feel kind of cynical about personal brand, uh, given that we both think it's important to manage it, a way to get not cynical is just to, to sort of hear a story like this. And I'll have one other in a second. And see that if you have a, a brand, if you're known for good things, that it will introduce all sorts of like interesting human interactions that you right. wouldn't have had otherwise. Totally. Like it happens every week, many times per week now, where like my day would have otherwise just been filled with fighting with a computer and people and, you know, just wrestling with the difficulty of life all day. And then like, I, I bet it ha- happens twice, at least twice a day, maybe four times a day now. Um, my day will get interrupted by some interaction with a person that I didn't know previously that's based on, um, them having known me somehow and, uh, all of the work to try to like build a personal brand over the, you know, prior couple years in the Ruby community and programming community more broadly is worth it just for those four times a day where you just feel a connection with a new person to me. Um, yeah, no, I agree completely. I think that I think that personal brand just comes down to people want to connect with you on a human level and not as a, a resource or uh you know, uh if you're if you're in the hiring scope or as a faceless, you know, developer uh that, you know, you use their open source project or you, you know, interact with them on the internet or whatever. Um I think I think that's all this is all this is providing. It's, you know, in a programmer's sense, it's just giving hooks for people to be able to, you know, in, interact with you as another human being uh, between two computers. You know, I, I think I think that's great. So I, um, my second story about it was it was the bridge to the 
So the first example is sort of creating a bridge between another programmer that's human. And I think that that's sort of an interesting class of benefits that are worth it all on their own. The other one that I often look for opportunities on is creating connections to people that aren't programmers in the sort of my real world life using programming skills. So, and, and, and sort of watching how that opens up interesting opportunities for them where you gave them something that they just didn't have access to. So I'll give a quick, quick story about it. So a friend of mine, I think I mentioned it to you, a friend of mine here in the Hartford area, uh, has a newborn and the newborn was diagnosed, uh, this past week with, uh, severe to profound hearing loss. And because I've got twins that are due this week and I've got other kids too, uh, it just really hit me. I don't, you know, you know how some things do that where you just like, you can't shake it. I just, you know, I, I just couldn't stop thinking about how, um, you know, how it would feel to be in his situation. And, uh, and I couldn't figure out how to, how to alleviate the, the feeling. And, um, so I was chatting with him on, uh, I messaged the other day, maybe, maybe I think it was yesterday, actually yesterday about what, um, you know, what he was going through and, and they got the diagnosis and about the details and then also about his business. He runs a, a small business that's doing pretty well. And, and he was ch- chatting with me about that. And he said that what he really would want to do is, and he, he mentioned this strategy to make, make uh, customizable products that are a variation of what he does right now. And I said, Oh, well I, I, you know, you could do that. That's totally doable. And he's like, no, nah, I don't think so. Cause like the software that I use doesn't support it, blah, 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 blah. And I had like this realization right then, which was, oh man, I actually have the thing that he needs. Like, cause I, I couldn't figure out what to do to make, to, to make him feel better, you know, and what he's going through. And it turned out programming actually worked it. So today I rigged up a little, um, like, uh, I guess proof of concept on his little customizable customizing widget. I, I put oh, it, nice. I put it in the Slack channel. Do you see here? Look at that. The AWS link. Oh, yep. Okay. So he makes these cards and they're pre-printed and he wants to make it so you can customize it, but like couldn't imagine how to do it. So look at the, the top, like the 4,500 number at the top left. Yep. So like click on that. You can diddle with it. You hit enter. It changes it. It spits out CS- CSV. Right. This made, so, uh, I, I don't want to show it cause it's, it, it, I, I yeah, won't put it in yeah, the show yeah, totally. notes cause it's a, it's part of his product, but it, it basically just made like a, editable version of the, uh, this like pre-printed card yeah, th- yeah. that his company makes that spits out CSV that would feed the template that actually would go to the printer. And it literally made his month like, you know, whatever amount of time it took me to do this was worth it. Like times 50 just to sort of see that it got some relief. And the reason I'm mentioning it is that y- you can, take your programming skills. And if you've got your eyes open, sort of build a personal brand in your real life, giving all the people, you know, sort of access to them that just don't know what to do. And it, it does wonders for your personal brand in in your real life. You know, I mean, personal brand, meaning just like the way you impact the people around you and how they see you and what opportunities it, it creates. And it's interesting to me, one of the reasons I bring it up is that I just don't hear people talking about this sort of thing that often. Yeah, right. Even though, like, I mean, 
it's hard to imagine that any programmer doesn't have just like dozens of examples in their life where they could make a difference to the people around them using their programming skills. Um, Oh, do you think that's true? Maybe that's not true. No, I mean, I think it's true. I mean, I, I'm, I'm only being silent because I mean, I feel like my dream job would be, um, every day for 365 days, I could just write, you know, four hours of code. Let's just say, that like revolutionizes someone's day-to-day life <laughs> right you know what i mean because I, I do think it's that simple i just think like accessibility you know to someone that has enough experience to like hear a problem know how to fix it you know what i mean and and, and implement it very quickly um but yeah no i i completely agree and i think that it's yeah it, yeah i i think i think it's awesome i well, think I, I think I, it's great i've reached the i, I think that there's a I think that maybe sort of to end this point on this, that I've reached a point in my career, and you're probably there too, where I know how to do lots of stuff, like tons of stuff. And I, I think I'm to the place where most of my thinking now goes into how do I let the world, like how do I make sure that I find myself in positions where people that for whom that would be helpful to know me right because yeah. like at some point like you know like 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 if i could add a you know seventh thing that i know how to do well um but then look at the other six or whatever the number is and say like am i utilizing that cocktail of the six and like at some point the answer is you're definitely not utilizing the cocktail of the six and adding a seventh is kind of just avoiding interacting with people um and uh and I think to your point, it's a, sort of an interesting thing to think about in that uh, once you have the skills that say, you know, certainly you have, and I, th- I think that I have too, you can really live that life you just mentioned. You can live a life where you basically make a big deal to whoever's sort of using the work that you do every day, as long as you are get into contact with those people. Right. And that's what becomes in short supply. Not the know-how, but the the who, you know, the know who, I guess you'd say. And like without the personal brand, you just don't, you know, you just never get to the know who, you know, you just, you just know the seven people you work with and, and, you know, right around the corner, the person that you could in literally four hours, it took me less than four hours, probably took me two and a half hours to make this thing you're looking at right now. And totally has set, like he ordered a printer um, so that he could do the custom printing that he'll do now that he understands that he can make these custom cards. And like, that was right around the corner. I just had to, you know, meet a few more people. Yeah. Put myself out there a little bit more. That's awesome. Do it. Just make wrote, your dreams come true. Yeah, right. So quick nerd note on this. So I wrote it in like a single file of HTML, CSS and JavaScript. I don't know. When's the last time you did that? So just like opened up the text editor and in a single file wrote by hand HTML, CSS, and JavaScript that was like a little tiny app. I mean, where where the hell's the jQuery? <laughs> no, I didn't even use jQuery. I know, I know. I'm looking at the source. Oh, you are? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. You can see how I wrote it? <laughs> oh, oh, geez. Uh, it's all over now, folks. And now, how? Like, yeah, how bad is this? Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I every once in a while when I want to like, mock something out like this is how it'll work i'll just do it like in one document uh, but 
<laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. <laughs> it's unbelievable. A, A for effort. <laughs> it's pretty interesting how easy. I mean, the thought that I had in doing this today was that um, back, like, if if I was to rewind and you know years, I don't know, five years or ten years or whatever, um, I would just not have known how to do it. And now it's like almost trivial to figure out how to do things. Like whatever, you just sit down and write the thing. And if you don't like. You know, if you don't remember it, just look up the documentation and no big sweat. And it's so easy to take that for granted. I think. Yeah. You know, and just, you know, you, you, I would have killed that many years ago to have it be so easy as it is now. And and then, you know, you just, it doesn't feel like that now because you forget. Anyways. Yeah. You can mock my, you can mock my single page, uh, for function JavaScript. (laughs) (laughs) later all right oh we've got (laughs) we need to have uh closing thoughts and then uh wonderful things about our wives sponsored by (laughs) DigitalOcean. because awesome because if you can believe it we have another sponsor (laughs) so man that's uh, what happens things are things are going off the rails get it yeah right pun so, uh, today's final words and, uh, nice, uh, comments about our wives sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean provides simple and fast cloud hosting built for developers, create a cloud server in 55 seconds for as little as five, five bucks per month. DigitalOcean's built for developers and used by over 400,000 of them. It's highly scalable to meet the needs of rapidly growing applications or businesses. You can even resize your existing droplets to meet uh, your needs as you grow. You get to choose your OS, and they ca- they have one-click install options for many popular apps, including Ruby on Rails. All servers are built on hex core machines with uh, dedicated ECC RAM and RAID SSD storage. You can have up to 20 CPUs, lots of RAM and hard drive space, uh, 99.99% uptime in all regions of the world. DNS, auto backups, so much more, (laughs) so much more. They also, and I always uh, trumpet this as my favorite thing and still is, they have a great uh, active community that produces fantastic content on system administration that's great for someone like me that's just not all that good at it. Anyhow, go to digitalocean.com, use the code RubyPodcast, and you're going to get a $10 credit on your new account. Thanks to DigitalOcean for supporting this show, our final comments, and our nice words about our wives. All right, final thoughts, Kyle, on on, on personal brand. I'd love. I, I I say do it. <laughs> <laughs> do the I, personal brand. <laughs> do it right now. Just do it. No, but like I like joking aside. Seriously, like do it. Right. I mean, it's happening whether you like it to or not. The reality is it is something that you can leverage uh, in your favor um, to get you closer to what you want uh, with your career. Um, By not doing it, you are also doing it, right? So opt in, make your dreams come true. Uh, wow. I, I, I think it's, uh, probably the easiest win that you can have in uh, setting your career on the path you want. Uh, so I don't, I, I take no excuses. 
except no substitutes. This is Kyle Daigle. You just got branded. You did. All right. Uh, well, I'll echo it. No more. No more final comments f- for me. Uh, ditto. <laughs> that's, that's, those are my insights. Uh, let's have our our, our uh, uh, wonderful comment about our wives to close the show. Um, wife, I love you very much. <laughs> I think this is a, this is a, this is just a plea to her. <laughs> uh, if you've made it this far into the episode, I'm sorry it went an hour and twenty something minutes. I'm I'm cutting a little bit out. An hour and eighteen minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, thank you for helping us survive the week of sick child and sick husband with right. a child illness. So, well, by the time we record the next episode, I bet there's a. Let me think about it. I bet a two to one chance, maybe even higher, maybe four to five chance that my wife will have given birth to twins. So she, uh, she's had a rough day and a rough week and a rough <laughs> nine months, uh, <laughs> getting here. So, uh, I hope that that happens this week and, uh, it's been quite amazing watching her, uh, <laughs> persevere. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So next episode from the hospital. It may be. I mean, it won't be any later than the 18th, which is, I think, Tuesday. So it's possible that we'll record next weekend without new babies. Um, I think somewhat unlikely, but possible. But they will absolutely be here by the by two episodes from now. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a good episode, tell you what. What, what do you... I could, I could feel it in my bones. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, I mean, we're season two. What episode? What are we at now? <laughs> I don't know. Eight. It's, it's when it, it's when it all falls apart. <laughs> it's it's when I scream out, "I am the one that knocks, Sean." <laughs> it's uh, that episode. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, to to everyone that has gotten this far and uh, listens, if you haven't chatted with us on Twitter, please do so. It's really been fun, and I think uh, gives good fodder for the show. And plus, is one of the highlights of uh, of doing this every week. Yes. So. Tell us your personal branding gone wrong story. I, I desperately would like to hear a good. Oh, I agree. A good personal branding gone wrong, or right? The right, the, I would, I would take a right, but a, a wrong, a wrong would, well, well, you know, that's hitting that, that's hitting the podcast next week. Yeah. Folly or fortune? It's true. You're more likely to get on for folly, but you know, fortune will take. Awesome. All right. Well, if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter, I'm barely known, Kyle, and I'm K Daigle. All right. Until next time. Adios.